Um, I want to thank a number of the ladies who came in this past week and helped decorate the church. Uh, Val Manneman, Ellen, uh, Brenda came in. Uh, Rebecca helped in, in setting up the, the stage up here. Sharon made an extension of our, of our uh, thing up here. I got to tell you, I feel so good up here. You know, I just, it's surrounded by all of this, and it, 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 I'm just waiting for a deer to come bounding out of the woods. <laughs> I've been sitting in the freezing cold watching nothing <laughs> happen. But it, is, uh, it seems, I feel so spiritual being uh, up here today. But I want to thank all of those uh, who, who came out very special for us and, and helped uh, uh, decorate and everything. And, and I do hope you avail yourself of the opportunities um, that we are going, uh, making this year. We are really focusing this year because of this COVID season uh, to give you that opportunity to plug into your faith. And so, I, uh, you know, it's, again, it's going to take initiative on your part to, to sign up, to, to go order something, to, to put some extra things uh, in your grocery basket, to take time to make some extra cookies or whatever it might be that God leads you to do. Um, and, and that kind of segues into what we started talking about last week. Um, we started talking about how our here and now affects our eternity and affects our heaven. We're talking about a, of a Christian here. That once I am saved, once I know Christ is my Lord and Savior, I have been forgiven. Is that it? Is that all there is? Does it matter how I live my faith? What I do or what I don't do? Well, we started looking last week about the difference that it does make and you know, particularly I chose to um, deal with this at this time of year because we are living in the COVID season. And, you know, it, it's very easy for us to let our faith idle during this time. I mean, what, what, what's the motto I see on TV all the time? It says, alone together. That's what we are. We are alone. What does that mean? That we are alone together so that Hey, don't worry about it. You may be isolated, but everyone's going through the same thing. That's hard to minister Christ. It's hard to be his hands and feet during that time. So we need to be proactive, and we need to be reminded that, that what we do today makes a difference in our faith. And, and God has not put us up on the shelf for just a, a time, you know, until we get through this and however long it's going to be. Um, we can make a difference for eternity today. Now, last week, you remember, we looked at two keys in life, two decisions that we have to make. The first decision is our belief, okay? It determines where we spend our eternity. Whether or not we give our heart to Jesus Christ, we give our life to Jesus Christ, we accept his death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that makes all the difference. That one decision, it all pivots on that decision. There is nothing else but that decision. And our belief in that will determine whether we go to heaven or whether we go to hell. But the second key, and the one that we have been focusing on, is our behavior. That determines how we will spend our eternity, what we will be doing in our eternity. And again, I don't t understand everything about it, but we're going to be looking at some scriptures today that show that it does make a difference what we do in this life as a Christian to our eternity that is to come. Now usually... When somebody hears this truth, and, and you may be having one of these two reactions when you hear this truth, the first is that some people get very excited about this. I mean, if you think about it, you know, th there can be real anticipation here. You know, um, you know, this life has purpose, 
And whether it's my suffering or whether my sacrifices, whatever it is, it, it does make a difference. It, it does matter. Um, that's the first reaction. People get excited about that thought. The second reaction is, is one that kind of breeds out of our humility. And you say, well, I just don't deserve any rewards. Heaven is enough. I mean, it's enough. I mean, we are so overwhelmed that Jesus Christ died for us. What more do we want? I mean, why would we need anything more? Well, because we're talking about kind of the cause and effect, you know, our, the cause of our life affecting our eternity, because we're talking about that, um, and we're talking about some things that we do today affecting our eternity, it does give rise to people thinking about, well, are we talking about works here, you know, uh, versus grace? I mean, don't we live in the age of grace? We're not working for our salvation, no. But there are things that make a difference in how we serve Christ. Um, we want to look uh, in a couple of weeks, actually, after Christmas and everything, we're going to look at the motivation of why we should serve and, or why I should be plugged into my faith in this way and why I should be working towards eternal rewards. Um, we're going to look at that in a few weeks here after Christmas. But I want to give you a few verses um, before we go forward here just to help your thinking on that. In Luke chapter 17, verse 10, we'll start with that verse. It says this, So you too... When you do all the things which were commanded, you say we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. I mean, this passage here shows us that above all, it is my duty, it is my privilege to serve God. If Jesus thanks me, it's because he's gracious and generous. It's not because I necessarily am deserving of it. Once again, it comes out of his grace. And then if you remember, in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is telling the parable there about the laborers who came to labor at different times during the day they got hired. You know, one was out in the field for eight hours, the other was out for four hours, another for two hours, the other one, you know, got hired at the last hour. And when it came time to pay them, they were all paid the exact amount. And then it goes on, Christ, after telling this parable, he says in verse 15, after, after the, you know, the ones that were there and working so hard, they, they begin complaining and said, wait, shouldn't we get a little bit more than the person who only worked for an hour? Remember what he says in 2015? He says, is it not lawful for me to do what I want with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am jealous? Or excuse me, or generous? You see, this second passage reminds me that God can be as generous as he wants to be. It is his choice. It all belongs to him. I may not feel I deserve anything more, but if God chooses and wants to give me more, well, then praise God for that. One other verse I want us to kind of just, you know, to, to address that issue before we move on. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists, <coughs> excuse me, and that he proves to be the one who rewards those who seek him. So what does it mean to come to God in faith? I mean, how should I come to God? How does he want me to come to him? He gives us two things here, and we always emphasize the first one. We always talk about we have to come to God in faith and believe that he is, that he's true, we have to, you know, that that wholehearted commitment to know that there is a God and, 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 and Jesus Christ is the Savior. 
We need to believe this, but we forget about the second part. It pleases God when we think of him as he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. So God says, if you want to please me, when you come to me, you come in faith, believing that I am. And when you think about me, I want you to think about me as the great rewarder. So it does no glory to God to not think of him in those terms. Matter of fact, it's, it's kind of dishonoring him to not think about it in terms. God is generous and God is gracious and he pours himself out and he wants to pour himself out to us for all of eternity. And to think of him in any other way, you know, even now, you know, humility, oh, I don't deserve any rewards, I don't need anything, you know, salvation is enough. That's not honoring to God. You know, those things might be true. Salvation might be enough for us, but it doesn't please God to ignore his benevolence and to to acknowledge what a benevolent God he is. We're going to take a look at that uh, a little deeper as we go into the the, uh, next time we get together on this. But I want to talk about rewards for just a second here. Uh, We're kind of throwing this term around, being rewarded for the things that we do. Um, Let's talk about what that word means when when the Bible uses it, when Christ uses that that word. Uh, Turn with me, and we're not going to put these verses up here right now, but turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Luke chapter 14. Right? To Luke chapter 14. We're going to hit a couple of verses here and kind of follow along. In Luke chapter 14, if you remember uh, in this chapter, Jesus has been invited to the home of a prominent leader. This leader is given a banquet, kind of in, in honor of Jesus. And so all sorts of important people are invited. He invites lawyers and and Pharisees and, and, and Sadducees, and I'm sure there's public officials there. And as these guests are finding their places, as they're coming in, and, and I'm not sure how it would have been set up, you know, the, the dining arrangements, but everybody, Jesus noticed, is jockeying for the best spots, the spots of, of the most importance. And so he makes this observation. This isn't a parable here. This really happened. He says in verse 10, he says, but when you are invited, go and recline at the last place so that the one, so when the one who has invited you comes that he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, everywhere around him, there were these power players and as, I, I can't imagine as Jesus is saying this, you know, don't seek a place of honor, seek the last place so that you can be lifted up, not kind of taken down here. I, I can't imagine how all of these people must be flinching. I mean, they were all doing it. But again, Jesus wasn't finished there. You know, I mean, humbling enough what he said, but he turns to the host, the very person who invited him to this uh, feast, and he proceeds to instruct him on a better way about doing these feasts. He goes on in verse 12. says, and he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. Now, folks, what an awkward moment that must have been. I mean, Jesus seems to be saying to the host, 
you know, next time, don't invite these type of people here. I mean, is he questioning this man's taste and friends? You know, is he questioning this man's social etiquette? Again, look closely at what Jesus says in the next verse, verse 13. He says, but when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Again, I don't think Jesus was really criticizing the guest list and who he chose to have here, there at the banquet, but probably the motivation of it, of why he was inviting those people. You know, uh, you know, he was trying to show them how to get more out of a special dinner like this. I mean, instead of just getting, you know, you throw a big dinner and invite all your friends and, and, and people who are wealthy and prominent people, you know, very well, you could, the reciprocation could be that they will invite you to their parties. And Jesus says, That'll, that's all the reward you're going to get. But invite, he said, those who can't reciprocate. And you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Now hopefully, everyone here in their Christian faith has had numerous experiences like this. Where you did something for someone who could not reciprocate to you. You did it because of your faith. You did it because of Jesus Christ. I remember when I was pastoring up in Rudyard, Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I was at the church once, and the phone rang, and uh, there was a man on the other end, and he was looking for a ride up to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which was about 15 minutes away. That was the major town up there, and, and there was a bus station up there. And he, he proceeded to tell me that he had been released from prison in New York, and he was making his way back home to the northern Minnesota. And he had just enough money to buy the ticket to get from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, you know, to where he needed to go. But up until that time, he had been hitchhiking and basically walking from New York to get there. Well, I hung up the phone, and I drove to pick him up. It was really obvious that he hadn't eaten much in weeks. My guess is he was trying to save money. So I took him to a restaurant. We ate. We visited. He shared with me how he came to Christ in prison and, and the, the changed life that he had. And, and he quoted scripture. We talked theology for about an hour. And then finally I gave him a ride to the bus station. I gave him some money for food while he was traveling on the bus. And I will never see that man again. I, I can't even remember what his name is. I was once in Troy at a gas station. There was a woman at another pump saw me, and, and I had one of my grandkids with me, and she comes walking over to me. I could see as she walked over to me that her face was bruised, and she had bruises all over her arms, and it was pretty obviously she was trying to cover them up with makeup. And she simply asked for help. She was trying to get away her, from her husband in his abuse. She had her young daughter with her. She had an old pickup truck, and she had clothes just thrown into the back of it. It was obviously obvious that she had left in a hurry. She traveled from Michigan, and she was going to Virginia. And basically, she was out of money now. And she was wondering if there's anything I could do to help her to get some gas in her car. 
I filled up her pickup truck. I took her five-year-old into the gas station, let her buy anything she wanted, grabbed some extra milk, some bread, paid a horribly inflated grocery prices at a gas station. (laughs) That was my only sin. I grumbled about that a little bit. (laughs) And I drove off. I will never see her again. Don't know anything that happened. And my guess is I don't, I don't share these things to put a spotlight in. I, I share these things to put the spotlight on Christ and our faith. And I imagine if we opened it up, you know, we would have story after story like this. And when you do something like this, the natural inclination after you do something is that you feel so blessed to be able to have, to have done something like this. But this, that isn't what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about when he says, you will be blessed, when he says that to the banquet, the guy who's throwing the banquet, he said, invite the crippled and the poor and the lame. You will be blessed. He's not talking about, you're just going to have this great feeling within you. Look at the rest of what verse 14 says. He says, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Wow. You know, on the human side of things, an important person, when they throw a ball or a banquet or something like that, you know, you might get an invitation to that. You know, they might feel somewhat indebted to you because you invited them to the party. Literally, he is saying here that the God, the creator of the universe, will will be indebted to you. I'll repay this act. They can't. I'm going to step in, God says, at the resurrection of the righteous in eternity. He says, I'm going to step in. And all these actions that maybe you, you can't even remember anymore, big or small, I remember them all. And I'm going to reciprocate. I'm going to reward for what they could not. God will repay you for the good work after we are dead. It says that the resurrection of the righteous. And this kind of contradicts what most people, I believe, think, and those certainly at the banquet. You know, they think that our good deeds that we do here, we, we get reciprocated. God takes care of us. I do something good, you know, for someone else, and then God here on this earth does something good for me. The truth is Jesus, you know, emphasizes the opposite. His word shows that when you do a worthy deed for a person who can't repay you, you will be repaid. Your payment will come in the next life. And when you receive it, you'll be blessed. Again, I don't know what it will be. I don't, I don't understand eternity. I don't think we even could understand on this side of eternity to explain it. But God says, God says, I remember you will be repaid. Your payment will come You know, when when you're in eternity with me and you're going to be blessed by it. That's a promise that that God is giving us. You know, that that we'll be, he's going to bless us in eternity for what we've done here on this earth. And certainly God does bless us here on this earth. I'm not trying to say that doesn't happen. He gives us unmerited grace. He gives his goodness to us even on this side of eternity. God may also give us some temporary reward here on this earth for something that we have done. That does happen. 
But the rewards that Jesus is talking about here and the rewards that he talks about more often in the New Testament, they're not the ones that come in this life. But he wants us to focus on the life to come. These are God's guaranteed responses to a specific action that you take in the name of Jesus Christ. And these rewards come not just for asking. You know, we have the reward of salvation for asking for forgiveness. But they come from doing. Something we have done for, in Christ's name. And they don't come now, but they come after death. And if you miss this as a Christian, you're really setting yourself up here to ask all sorts of, of, of questions like, well... You know, I serve God every day, and I try to, to live my faith, and why am I struggling? Why is my family struggling? I mean, you know, why doesn't God just throw something my way here? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I serve him. I pour myself out. You know, doesn't God care? Doesn't God notice? Friend, God notices, and God does care. And he loves you too much to just say, well, I'll give you something temporal. God says, what I'm going to give you is eternal and will go on and on forever. In fact, the rewards that Jesus wants you and me to know about most, they don't come now. They don't come in the here and now. They come in the afterlife. Remember, that's what he said in the very first sermon that we have recorded in the New Testament, the Sermon of the Mount. He said to lay up treasures in heaven where, where moths and rust won't corrupt them. You know, anything down here is something temporal. Jesus challenges us to have eyes towards heaven. His eternal rewards come later, and they begin with something that you do today. So let's talk about that word rewards for just a second here. What does it mean? Um, In the New Testament, there are two major uses or translations of the word rewards. The first, and we'll put this up for you, and uh, excuse my Greek, I'm not saying I'm pronouncing this right, but it's the word misthos, okay? Um, you find it in Christ's Sermon of the Mount. Um, Christ is talking about enduring persecution for the name of Christ, and he says in Luke chapter 6, verse 23, he says, Rejoice on that day and jump for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For their fathers used to treat the prophets the same way. That word there, misthos, it means to pay. It means your wages. So literally this could read, for indeed your mythos is is great in heaven. The wage that you're going to be paid when you get to heaven, it is something that is great for enduring persecution in the name of Jesus Christ. And, And if you're not thinking it's, well, how do we know it's meaning wages here? Well, it's the exact same word that Paul used in saying that those who preach and teach should make their living from the ministry. He said in 1 Timothy 5, verse 18, he says, For Scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while it's thrashing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. It's the word mythos there. So it's, it's definitely a payment for something that we have done here. And everyone who heard Jesus understood exactly what he meant. That when you labor on earth, your employer gives you wages. And when you labor for me, Jesus is saying, I will pay you too. And 
you know, Jesus never described these wages as some sort of a charitable tip or, you know, throwing a, a little extra in for us. But he has always tied these rewards to something that we have done. You know, something we've done in his name. So that's the first use of the word. The second word that Jesus uses for rewards is found in our scripture in Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, verse 14, <coughs> it says, And you will be blessed, since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Greek word there for repaid, and again, excuse my Greek, it's anti-apodame, and it means, the word anti means back, and dame means to give. So it means you will be given back for what you did. You know, the, if you have a King James Bible, it says you will be recompensed. You know, it talks about a repayment there that he's given you. In other words, you might give something that costs of you, and Jesus says, I'm going to repay you for that. I'm going to re- repay you for what you have done. Matter of fact, that's the same word that he uses in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember, there was a man who, who got mugged and, and almost left for dead on the side of the road, and the Good Samaritan comes along, and he sees him, and he takes him, you know, to a hotel, and he kind of gets him cleaned up, and, um, you know, he has to get going on business, so he goes to the, the innkeeper, and he t- gives him some money, and he says, take care of him. And it says in Luke 10, 35, it says, on the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you, anti-apodame, I will pay you back. I will give it back no matter what you have put out in my name, no matter what it has cost you. He says, I will take care of it. I will repay that. In Mark chapter 9, verse 41, it says, for whoever gives a cup of cold water because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. And that word there, reward, is the second word we're looking at. He will be paid back for what he has done. So an understanding of these eternal rewards is a wonderful thing. It doesn't make serving God a work that I have to do. Oh, great, you know, I've got all these responsibilities at home, you know, at my uh, place of employment, and I've got to work for Jesus too. It doesn't do that. You know, it, 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 it gives us a satisfaction. I'm not doing this because I want to get something. You know, I'm doing it because of Jesus Christ and the relationship I have for him. I mean, for you and I to see God as he wants to be seen, as it says in Hebrews eleven six, as the rewarder of those who seek him. To see him in those terms... I mean, if we can get our arms around that, we can get our mind around that, I mean, we will just step back and say, God, you're unbelievable. I mean, in this world, people slap us around. People use us all the time. But in Jesus Christ, he just gives and gives and he gives. That is our God, and that's how he wants us to think of him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that. I mean, I love you. Use me. Pour yourself out to me. I mean, might we be able to say that we want our lives to kind of be, kind of be an expression of John 15, 8. John 15, 8 says, For my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove 
to be my disciples. My Father, God the Father, is glorified by you and I bearing fruit for him. You and I doing in his name and, and producing from him. He is glorified. Shouldn't this make us stop back and say, God, let me bear fruit for you? God, let my life glorify you by what I do down here? This is the motivation. When you say, well, what, what does it look like? I'm going to leave you with just a few examples. And these, are, these you know, again, are just to prime the pump. These are, these are biblical examples of things that God says, I'm going to reward very specifically. And I don't think they're exclusive. I think they kind of give us an idea of the type of things that God wants to reward. Let me give you, you got scriptures listed there for you. Uh, number one, God will reward you for seeking him through spiritual acts like fasting and praying. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, it says, but as for you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, Pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So folks, every single time that the phone rings and you look down and you say, oh, it's the church. It's the one call. <laughs> um, and, and, and I come on and I give you a prayer request, someone to pray for. I don't know how many of you pray. A hundred people are called and asked to pray. I don't know, but God knows. And God says, those who are done in secret, I don't need to know. But every time someone stops, you stop what you do, you're doing, and, and, and you give some time to pray. God says, I'll reward you. It makes a difference. Second thing, God will reward you for submitting to your employer as a faithful steward. How you work and how your employer sees you is a thing that God rewards. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Slaves, obey those who are your human masters in everything, not with eye service as people pleasers, not just when they're watching, then I'm going to work hard. But it says, with sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people, knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive the reward of the inheritance is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So our whole perspective on tomorrow morning when you get up and you go to work and how you work and why you work and having that focus that I'm doing this for Jesus Christ, I'm doing this to be a testimony for his name and the way I work and even if my, my boss and my place is unkind to me, unfair to me, it doesn't matter because I'm here to serve Jesus Christ. Lord says, I will repay you for that. It's going to make a difference in eternity. Third thing, God will repay or reward you for your self-denial in his service. I don't have the verses for this. But Christ tells us to take up our cross and follow him. And he goes on after that, and he says, you know, what's it going to profit for us if we, you know, gain the whole world, but we lose our soul? I mean, the, 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 the focus should be on the soul, that self-denial, not on this world to have the things of these world. And God says, I'll reward that. Number four, God will reward you for serving those in need in his name. Okay, Mark chapter 9, verse 41. It says, Whoever gives a cup of cold water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So when you do something and you reach out and you provide a need for someone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
He says, I will reward you for that. Number five, God will reward you for suffering for his name and for his reputation. And Luke 6, 22, it said, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and insult you and scorn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day and jump for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for their father used to treat the prophets the same way. Well, probably not many of us are, are hated, excluded, scorned, persecuted like they were in their times. But even to take a stand for the name of Jesus Christ, even when others are snickering, even when others are, are, are laughing at our faith and, and whatever it might be, says it's going to make a difference in our eternity. Number seven, God will reward you for sharing your time, your talent, and your treasure to further the kingdom. Matthew 6, verse 3, says, But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your charitable giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Others may not know. They don't need to know. The most important is that the heavenly father knows and again I bring all of these things up I choose you know this topic at this time because we are living in a time where it's very easy to forget that God is still you know looking at our lives looking at what we do or that we don't do and it is our goal as a church we just met this past Tuesday that the deacons and the elders met together and we talked about ways that we can continue to help people to stay plugged into their faith. And that's where these opportunities like the Safe Harbor House come, to make cookies, make candy, make a meal for them. You know, the kids' Christmas store. You know, make a difference for, for, for a child at, at this Christmas time. You know, the, the outlet uh, or the outreach baskets that we're going to give uh, to Honey Creek. These are all opportunities we have. And again, we don't want them to be exclusive. These are the type of things we should be looking for, opportunities. In this day, it might look different, you know, the church right now, and I'm not sure when that's going to change. But what doesn't change is our relationship with Jesus Christ and what I do here today, what we do this week for him is going to make a difference for our eternity. Let's pray. Father God, I am just humbled, you know, at these truths to know even just a little bit more of you, that you are the God who gives. You are a God who is so charitable. You are the God who wants to just continue to pour yourself out on us. Forgive me, Father, when I so limit myself to the here and now, to the physical. Lord, give me eyes that Seek first the kingdom of God and have that trust in you, Lord, that one day my decisions that I make later on today are going to make a difference. And Lord, I pray that you will take those decisions and you will use them to glorify yourself through us bearing fruit for you. Thank you in thy son's name we pray.